What's up, guys? This is Sarah McAllister with The Business Perspective. Uh, if you listened to my first podcast, we uh, put it out last week, I believe. It should be on iTunes, Spotify here shortly. Where else did you put it, Cameron? Stitcher. Stitcher and Google Play. Half of those, I have no idea what they are. So uh, if you can't find them, let me know. Um, today, I have an awesome guest, Kelly Moore, who has been a friend of mine for, I think, almost over a year, a couple years now. Over a year. Yeah. And uh, I wanted Kelly to be one of my first guests because I remember when I first met her, I heard her speak about her business. And I said to myself, dang, she can speak really well. And uh, I would say that's that's her specialty. So we're going to dive into that. But before we do, what's up, Kelly? Hey, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. I feel privileged to be one of your first guests in guinea pig. Yes, you're my guinea pig. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Glad to be here. So tell us about you, where you came from, and how you got into the business you're in now. Okay, great. Well, I grew up in Rhode Island and spent the first 35 years of my life there. And two and a half years ago, I moved to Florida to be closer to my parents and my in-laws. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to see snow again. So <laughs> Florida seemed like the right place to be. I've never shoveled snow. So I, I didn't don't. come. <laughs> you're not missing anything. And I'm a little biased on it because I shoveled it for a couple of decades. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't miss it at all. And I love being close to my family my immediate family as well and my husband's grandma lives down here too nice and I didn't come here for a job and I was planning to actually transfer jobs you know where I was working before yeah. and I got in a car accident the summer a few months before we were to move so you already had a job set up here I did until I w was out of work from a car accident. I was actually let go from my job a month before we were moving. Oh, my. So I was really scrambling to find something, and it was scary. Stressful. Yes, very stressful. And I didn't have a lot of money in the bank, mm -hmm. and so things can change in the, the, the blink of an in eye. an instant. Yeah. In the blink of an eye, right. And I was applying for jobs on Indeed. I had applied for, oh, at least 30 Wow. And the opportunity for the company that I work for now came up. And I said, well, I'll, I'll give this a try. That sounds good. Outside sales. I've been in sales for 13 years, sold a variety of different products. I like talking to people. And I joke, you know, being in sales that I'm in the business of getting rejected every day. Yeah. So you have to have a thick skin for it. Eat a lot of dirt. <laughs> Eat a lot of dirt. <laughs> Pay a lot of dues. And... It's interesting because when I apply for jobs on Indeed, you know, I was very close-minded and actually tried to filter out the commission-only jobs. So you wanted a salary base. I wanted a salary base and commission, and that's okay. what I had done most of my working, all of my working career. Right. And I had a conversation. I was told about the job and was offered the job, which was wonderful. But then I found out it was commission-only, so I was frightened. Yeah. So in my mind, I thought, well, I'll just do this until I find something better. Right. And then it was a rough start. It took me a month to get my first sale. Mm -hmm. But now I'm one of the top reps in the company. Nice. So I guess How did not you looking for anything better. Yeah. And uh, explain a little bit about what exactly you do and what that first month looks like for someone that's that's starting in that career path. So I'm in the merchant services industry. So what we do is we review how business owners take credit and debit cards as payment. We do an evaluation 
of how they're processing and we try to see if there's more efficient ways for them to accept payments and also reduce their bottom line, reduce their cost to process. Got it. The first month and you know, part of the job is the office, we have a call center and they schedule appointments for me. But I also a big part of my business is based on referrals and networking groups that I'm involved with. So the first month as I was trying to build up a base, develop a whole new network of people because I had just moved to Florida. So I went yeah. from having a, a network in Rhode Island to knowing no one than my family other than my family. Yeah. So it was trying to meet people and show them that I'm valuable and I'm not just a fly by night because I just happened to move here. Because that's a high turnover industry. Both of ours are incredibly high turnover and I can understand why yeah because you're paid on commission only Mm -hmm. and we're paid when equipment is installed so majority of my competition discourages their salespeople from building relationships with their customers Hmm. so typically what happens is you set up the equipment and then you don't see them again now I don't see all of my customers every week or every month some of my customers prefer to just call me when they need something right but they know that I'm there when I need them when they need me rather do you feel like getting into that industry it was sort of like a false hope because you knew appointments were going to be set for you so you thought it would be easier than it was I thought it would be easier yes and out of all the sales I've done in all the different industries now I've done radio advertising newspaper advertising I've been in the insurance industry Mm -hmm. I've sold furniture (laughs) I've done a variety of different things this is the most challenging type of sales I've ever done and the majority of the sales that I've done have been a longer sales cycle sometimes a week and this was the first industry I've ever worked in where it's a one call close which I hadn't done before so that's why it's challenging and I think a lot of people get frustrated it leads to high turnover because it it takes time and you right just don't walk into something and start making money now and you say one one uh one one call close one call close as opposed to two or three or is that still the strategy that you take now yes the industry that I worked in before moving to Florida the typical sales cycle was 30 to 90 days and I went from 30 to 90 days to 62 percent of my sales closed the first time I meet someone so I have a very limited amount of time to build rapport and trust well and like just I know from my experience and what I do, if I walk into a business, I can expect to get maybe 60 seconds of a business owner's time if I don't know them. Mm-hmm. And um, I try to I try to schedule my appointments outside of business hours because of that specific reason. So that's even more of a challenge mm-hmm. I would feel for you. Yes. And even on the appointments that are scheduled and booked, because there's a process that our call center goes through and they verify information, they confirm a time and they confirm that the business owner will actually have a processing statement for me to review. And I would say 75% of the time, even though it's scheduled, I get an objection when I walk in the door. Wow. I expect to get an objection. Right. I'm happy. I have a great rate. Um, I told them not to come. I don't and have I, time. And I, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I expect that to happen. Okay. I think I would say less than 1% of the time I walk in and someone's actually happy to see me or right. they expect me to not show up. Right. Even though they booked an appointment. Got it. <clears throat> so I think that's a, a good transition into what I think your specialty is. Um, and you can definitely clarify uh, if you want to talk about additional things. But 
I, like I said before, when Kelly, when I met Kelly, um, she was actually speaking about her business and I knew instantly that she could, uh, probably speak in front of a couple hundred people and have no fear. At least that's what it appeared like on the outside. So I would say speaking and communicating is a huge, uh, a really big, strong suit for you. So tell us about what was your experience? Have you always been a good speaker? No, I haven't. And actually, I was just recalling this morning when I was 10, I was in the chorus in my grade school and I actually passed out from stage fright. And as I got a little older, I actually, you know, when I was in high school, I was my career aspiration was to be a news anchor. Actually, my dream was to take over for Katie Couric on the Today oh, Show. Nice. So I knew I had to become a good communicator. And being in sales, that's really opened the door because I talk to people all day long yeah. that I'm meeting for the first time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier to talk to strangers than your, right. your family, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yes, I um, agree. But that talking to people that I don't know has really prepped me, but particularly in the last couple of years being involved, and there's two organizations that I'm a part of now that I'm passionate about. One is called BNI Business Networking International, which is a referral networking group. And the other one is called Toastmasters. And both of these organizations are international organizations. So they're all around the world. BNI helps you grow your business. And it really helped when I first moved in particular and now is because I have a trusted network of people that I can refer my customers to with right. confidence. Right. And Toastmasters helps you develop your communication and leadership skills. Nice. So I've had a lot of practice speaking impromptu on the fly, preparing for my elevator pitch every week that I give at my referral networking group, the BNI group. So being in an environment that's supportive, that encourages you, that can only help you grow right and develop so for someone who's just getting into the sales industry or just starting a business what would you say are a few good tips that they can take if they say they're petrified of speaking Mm -hmm. and uh, just cannot do it where do you start I would looking back now if I had found out about learned about Toastmasters two years ago more than two years ago, I would have joined earlier. And I see people develop. And I'll give an example, a friend of mine that's actually in one of my Toastmasters clubs, she joined just in January, and she's given three speeches. And just in that couple of months, you see how she's progressed. Right. And Toastmasters is the only environment I know that where you can go in and totally butcher a speech. And people will still clap for you. Right. <laughs> and they'll give you great feedback and they'll be encouraging they about it. They won't throw stuff at you. <laughs> they won't throw stuff at you. They'll clap on your way up to the lectern. They'll clap on your way back. And everyone gets an evaluation. So they give you feedback. And we use something called the sandwich method. So they'll put something that you did really well. In the middle, put some area for improvement. And then at the end, wrap it up with something positive. Nice. And the feedback, even though... It's not negative per se, but, Mm -hmm. you know, for instance, Kelly, you said 18 ums in your speech and Kelly, you stuck to the lectern. You know, the story step away from the lectern. You don't have to look at your notes, right? That's the kind of feedback you get. And the feedback encourages you to be better. So especially someone that's, I mean, from a novice to an advanced speaker, Mm -hmm. Toastmasters is really a way to brush up on your skills. Got it. 
So, and I remember, um, I've heard you speak uh, in front of crowds a few times, and I know that you're real big on telling stories. Yes. Stories uh, sell. And I give stories every week in my referral group when I talk about different businesses in different industries that I've helped. And I talk about how I've helped them, you know, from a value standpoint other than cost savings. And that prompts people to remember. So, for instance, you know, I gave a story about a restaurant that I helped. And for me, things I ask people to look for is businesses that don't accept American Express. And the business owner in my referral group remember that because he likes to use his American Express to get his rewards points. So because of that, I was able to get a warm introduction to the restaurant owner, review her processing, and save her over $4,000 a year. So now you take that story and then you use it as an example in the future when you're telling other people what you do. Exactly. Okay, got it. So stories are important. What about when you're like, when you're actually on an appointment, do you walk in and tell them a story about a previous person in their industry? I do. Not always in the beginning. I would say more towards the middle or the end. So they know that I'm a legitimate business person. I'm not just someone who's in the industry for a month, you know, two, over two years in the industry. When I go in, the first thing I try to do is build a rapport. Okay. That's critical because I have a very small window to do that. How long do you take to do that? As long as it takes to get someone to open up. Because when I go into an appointment, it's almost like two sales. The first sale is overcoming the objection to actually let me do the consultation. And then once I have the ability to do that, a majority of the time, I can find some other value proposition in addition to cost savings. Got it. So that's the hardest part is being able to get them to break down the wall and actually let me talk to them. So when you're going in, and so we have the, the introduction, trying to build rapport, um, what are a few other things that, again, for someone who is, gets really nervous and, mm-hmm. and they're walking into, like I know I've walked into to businesses before and they might have employees in there and I'm walking in there cold mm-hmm. when I first got into my business and it's very intimidating because you have what feels like 20 eyeballs staring at you mm-hmm. and I mean... It can be mortifying if the the business owner is rude, especially. And it's still intimidating, even now, 13 years in sales. And sometimes you just can't get people to break down the wall and, you know, you can't get past the gatekeeper and they're just not friendly to you. And they treat you like dirt because they have so many people walking in and not just my industry, which is highly competitive, but all the other people that are walking in the door trying to sell them something. So I think... You know, it's important when you're starting to have someone with you, a mentor, a colleague. People are less likely to throw you out the door if there's two of you. And don't go in trying to sell them something. Just go in and introduce yourself and say, you know, I'm, you know, my territory is expanded. I'm now in this territory. Just wanted to introduce myself. Got it. And if they're nice, I would let it go and then stop back a week later because follow-up is a critical piece of being successful also mm-hmm. and stop in and mention a part of the conversation you had with them. Let's say they talk to you about their dog. Say, oh, how's your dog doing? Let's say their right. kid is sick. How's your kid feeling? Write down their name on the back of the business card okay. so you remember them and then and something about them. Schedule time to go back. Yes. I don't I know that people don't follow up and they lose so much opportunity and you're just letting your competition 
get in the door because you already did half the work, right? Mm-hmm. And then you don't want somebody else coming in behind you and closing the sale. Right. And you have to have a system in place for following up, whether it's a spreadsheet or I keep a notebook of all my appointments. I put calendar reminders in my Google calendar to remind myself to go follow up with businesses because sometimes it takes four or five visits. Um, A business I just helped yesterday, I've been in there four times to try to get in front of him and I've gotten the brush off and we ended up being able to help him. And I think one key point, uh, well, two, about what you're saying is if someone's nice to you and, and kind, great. But if they're just nasty, rude, it's chances are either have some empathy. They might be just going through something that you're not aware mm-hmm. of or it's a sign. Like everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's I know that some of my uh, most difficult clients um, – they might not, some of them aren't even clients anymore. And when you divide the time that it took to help them and uh, really figure out how much money you made an hour from that, mm-hmm. it, it, chances are it's better just to move on. Yes. You have to just go in and do your best. And sometimes things don't work out. You know, I'm, I'm averaging seeing 20 five business owners a week Wow! and sometimes you just don't make the connection sometimes people are not nice there's occasions where it turns around yeah and there's occasions where it doesn't and sometimes you just have to make the decision to let it go and move on because you're going to waste more energy being stressed out about trying to help someone yeah and it's not worth it right because there's someone out there that's going to want your help and would you say that you're more numb to the uh the rejections now like it doesn't hurt as much as it did before sometimes um I think the difference is now being in this industry and being in the sales industry for a number of years it stings but I get over it quickly yes because if you sit there wallowing in your misery about somebody not wanting your help it's gonna throw off your whole day so sometimes I'll just you know blast a song on the radio call a friend or a family member and vent for a little bit. And, you know, my husband makes a joke if I, if I have a bad day at work or it's just one rejection after another, it's like five minutes and then let it go. So I rant for about five minutes and then get over it. I, one thing that I do, um, is just something I just say to myself in my head is that the faster I get over this, the faster that pain is going to go away and that stinging Mm -hmm. notion, I guess you would say. Um, And rejection is good because you're just filling that, I feel like it's a bucket of tolerance, Mm -hmm. right? So I like that. So when I first got into my business, man, one little hiccup would just ruin my day, sometimes my week. Mm -hmm. And now I'm so surprised at the huge... um, projects that can completely fall apart and I just I move on in a a tenth of the time and I'm sure your business has grown as a result and it sounds cliche but one no is closer one no closer to a yes and it's so true it's a numbers game you just have to keep out there and put your best foot forward yeah so what does a typical day look like for you if you're if you're seeing 25 business owners a week I know you do a lot of driving Mm -hmm. that uh I feel like if you are not prepared, there is a high chance that you can be really inefficient and feel like you're busy, but really you're not accomplishing 
much of anything, especially with drive time in the middle. So what do you do to make that better? So when the office books appointments, they send them to me the night before. So I we go through a questionnaire, a comprehensive questionnaire. I fill out all the information, Google information on the businesses, and then plan my day, write all my appointments in a notebook, where they're located, how, what they're using for processing now. I do follow-ups and stop by customers that are around that area and ask for referrals and then stop at like businesses that are in the area of where I'm working. And it doesn't always work that way because sometimes my appointments can be 10 minutes and sometimes they can be two hours. Right. So, you know, there was a couple of follow-ups that I couldn't get to yesterday. So they're on the agenda for today. And then I go back and look at what, go back in the notebook and look at the different areas I've been Mm -hmm. and places that I might've missed or the owner wasn't there. I go back. So I've got a pipeline of places to go to and you have to, because you can't just rely on the appointments that are booked for you. Right. You won't, you can't make a career, a living out of it. Do you think that's the problem in the industry that, that you're in? Um, and the reason why people fail is they're not doing that follow-up or they're not organized, or do you think it's more of a, just giving up too soon. I think it's a little bit of both and people in this industry give up easily because if you're not used to this type of sales or you don't have a lot of sales experience, which you can build that in time, people have a tendency to get nervous and get turned off by it quickly. It. And there's really because a, lo- a majority of the business owners I've spoken to have had a bad experience where they've been given false promises or lied to or suckered into something that they didn't understand. There's a lot of resistance to talk to someone like me because they figure that I'm just like everybody else mm. and I'm not. And that's yeah. kind of what helps too is when you see someone, you know, when someone hugs you because they're thankful they met you and you're able to help them. Right. That's how I know that I'm different than everybody else. And I'm sure there's a lot of great people out there that do a great job in this industry. But it's a very small percentage. Got it. Cool. So just to recap on the the speech side of things for those people who um, get really nervous, what are some real quick points, something they can, if they if there's not a Toastmasters in their area or not a BNI that they're able to join, um, because I know it's industry, uh, one industry per, uh, category, one person per industry. What are some things people can implement now just to get started, especially if they're in the sales role, um, that can make them better? Find a buddy or a mentor. It doesn't have to be an official mentor. So I've actually helped mentor a number of new employees coming into our company. And having someone with that experience out in the field, I don't want to say that the managers are great, they're awesome, but they're not in the field every day. Yeah. So having someone to talk to that can help you work through those struggles. And especially if you're pounding the pavement and going door to door, have somebody with you. It's far less intimidating and some people will connect better than others and you can make points that the other person might not make. And people are a lot less likely to throw you out. And it, rather than the cold calling over the phone, just stop in and say hello. Yeah. And the more yeah. you do it, the easier it gets. You're right. less likely to be rejected in person than over the phone. Yeah, and I know that sometimes um, if I get really nervous, my whole mind just blanks. And that happens to this day sometimes. So I think that buddy system um, technique is really strong. I did. I, I used to do that when I first got into this business as well. Um, and then also from a business owner standpoint, 
uh, because I know there's going to be a lot of business owners that are listening to this that are trying to just keep money coming in the door, trying to reduce costs, things like that. What are some things they can look for um, that they can change in as far as what you do? I would definitely recommend having a review done because most people in my industry, they'll call or stop in and say, well, let me see if I can lower your rates without doing a consultation because it's not just about the rates and that's important, but there's got to be some other value proposition other than the savings. I would recommend having a trusted professional that knows what they're talking about and not someone that's been the indus- in the industry for a month or has bounced one company fr- to the next because the rates are better. To Some me, people it, don't care about the rate. It's the, the a lot of, that's, why, that's why a lot of people, when they walk in the door, they get pushed out because they just they center their selling around cost. And I think people center their selling around what's important to them. Exactly. And not what's important to the business owner. And that's why with every business owner that I meet with, I go through a comprehensive questionnaire and ask about 30 different questions about how they're processing and what they're doing. And there's just, you know, there's different programs for people that don't have a storefront. There's different programs, you know, for someone, you know, that might want gift cards or that takes in a lot of checks or that doesn't have people walking in through their door. And most most people in my industry just focus on a percentage and a number without actually understanding what the business's needs are. Yeah, and I know that uh, it may be hard to, to realize this now, but the more, the less uh, salesy you are, people can feel that. They know when you're being salesy. They know when you're being pushy, when you're trying to push a specific product and not listening. People get pissed if you don't just listen to what their needs are and even if you're not making near as much money I promise you that you will uh, get referrals from these people if you just take care of them Mm -hmm. I agree and when I do the review I actually have an analyst look at the processing statement and I give them a summary and I tell them up front if you're compelled by the summary then we'll take the next steps and get you into a better situation with us. And if you're not compelled by the summary, I'm going to shake your hand and walk out the door. And I joke and say, you can kick me out, hopefully nicely. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll usually say, no, we're not going to kick you out. Right. Cool. But I, you know. Jokes are good. Being yeah. in sales, I, I can smell from a mile away if someone's trying to put the pressure on me. So yeah. that's the last thing I want to do. And I find that the ones that are most resistant are the ones that I can help the most because they've pushed so many other people out the right. door and they listen to their excuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, where can people find you um, if they have other questions for you or um, or even want to get into like a Toastmasters club or something like that? Well, they could probably the best way to get in touch with me is by text message. Um, my number is 401-206-1619. They can email me at Kelly Moore, K-E-L-L-Y-M as in Michael, O-O-R-E. 0723 at gmail.com and I'm also on LinkedIn I'm on Facebook and you can actually search YouTube for my Elevate Daytona speech yeah um, where I spoke to something that I'm very passionate about Um, so there's or you can search you know Toastmasters and I'm an area director so I oversee a few clubs in the area so I would say you know they can call or email directly with any questions and I'd be happy to to help in any way that I can Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, just quick recap, tell a story. Don't be salesy. Again, find a mentor, 
be efficient, plan your day so you're not wasting time. Just realize when you're getting rejected that you're just getting closer to that feeling being more numb so you can handle more rejection. It's not going to sting as bad. Just be patient. And uh, if you guys have questions, reach out to Kelly or reach out to me. My email address is smcallister. That's S-M-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R at newyorklife.com. And also we are having, uh, uh, I'm the new president, as you may see in the future, of the BPW, which is a women's group here in Daytona. Um, And so any female business owners that are looking to network with other uh, successful business owner, female business owners in the area, look up BPW. We meet at the Halifax Yacht Club uh, the second Tuesday of every month at 530. And I hope to see you guys there. Thanks, guys. See ya.